Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Donald Trump tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this month. The White House has contingency plans in case something happens to him. So do I. I'm playing wine fairy to all of my friends and having a big party over Zoom. When news of the diagnosis came out, Fox started composing and recording funeral music, just in case. Ivanka Trump tweeted that her father is a warrior and that he would beat the virus. I don't know, Ivanka. This seems a lot more serious than non-existent bone spurs. (laughs) If Trump loses this election, they'll have to fumigate the White House before Joe Biden moves in. They were planning to do that before COVID, just to get rid of four years of Big Mac-induced farts. For months, Trump has been ignoring the virus and is now using it to his political advantage. Basically, he's treating the virus like one of his kids. I can't wait until I go to family gatherings and hug my relatives again. Not out of affection. I may be asymptomatic, and there are a few older relatives I want to put out of their misery. 
<laughs> Luckily, none of them are thinking of listening to this podcast, so I'm safe. <laughs> Waffle houses across the country have tables and chairs outside so customers can eat to maintain social distancing. Basically, Waffle House has made it look like Paris if it decided to go American white trash. <laughs> In Maryland, the first thing to open were golf courses. Not the least of which is because the last person to which anyone wants to be closer than six feet is someone who dresses for golf. <laughs> Presumably the people who tend to want to golf during a pandemic are such dicks, their families can't wait to get them out of the house. The University of Alabama reported 560 coronavirus cases in the first week of classes. Sadly, this is the closest that anyone in Alabama has ever come to working with a Petri dish. <laughs> CNN suspended analyst Jeffrey Tubin after he accidentally flashed himself during an online meeting. It's a shame for Jeffrey Tubin that he isn't a comedian. If he was, Louis C.K. would have taken him on tour. Sports teams this year had cutouts of fans to help combat the spread of the virus. Most notably, the Miami Marlins did not do this because the pandemic is so bad in Florida that even the cutouts tested positive. <laughs> Similarly, they didn't do that at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore because the cutouts overdosed on heroin. Oh. <laughs> you know your team sucks when the only thing that can fill their stadium parking lots is free COVID-19 testing. After testing positive for the virus, Justin Turner returned to the field and posed without a mask with the Los Angeles Dodgers following their World Series win. In response, the Republican National Committee offered him a job. <laughs> Not as a candidate for office. They want him to talk to voters in mostly non-white and economically disadvantaged precincts. <laughs> on that note, on with the show. <laughs> now, because I'm known as a selfish asshole and a notorious douchebag, it's been advised that I not do this podcast on my own. So joining me to absorb some of the hate on social media and elsewhere, Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello. Hey, Tom. I yeah, did not Abby? sign up for that. <laughs> Abby, how have you been during this pandemic? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, you know, living the dream in a one-bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, you know, where they haven't picked up our trash or recycling in weeks, and just really been real heaven over here. And then the pandemic took over. Right, <laughs> yeah, and that was January. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how about you? It's uh, not what I... Uh, envision when I retired from my job with the federal government. I worked for 31 years with the federal government and I expected to spend some time traveling and being outdoors a lot. And none of that's happened. And basically I'm in the same situation as I would have been if I stayed at work, which would be sitting in the house and on Zoom a lot. While you were employed by the federal government, you were basically holding everything together the whole time. I wasn't. It, you're absolutely right. It all went to hell. <laughs> Have you, you guys been doing, uh, like I've seen you guys a lot on Facebook and all doing uh, like Zoom shows? Yeah, it's, uh, but it's, it's not the same. Uh, having nobody laugh uh, is what's supposed to happen. When you're, in a, when you're at a bar with a disinterested crowd, no one's laughing and you get frustrated because they may not be there for the show they're talking to their friends. Here, again, you're used to nobody laughing, but there's nobody to laugh. I'm starting to like performing on Zoom and Skype. I like doing stuff like this. I mean, I love the live stuff better because I like being in front of an audience. But, you know, the thing is, if you piss off an audience member during a live show, they'll want to, you know, fight you afterwards and kick your ass. 
But, you know, if I'm performing at home, then someone who's pissed off will have to find out uh, where I live. And even if they do find out where I live, there's a very good chance that they'll get taken out by a Maryland driver. There are many theories about the origins of COVID-19, from as simple as someone eating a bat in China to a lab funded by the deep state manufacturing the virus to keep us docile. Such theories also stretch as to why the virus hit the country with such vigor. I have my own theory as to why the virus started by heavily striking New York City, mainly that COVID-19 is China's revenge for New York City comedians defending Shane Gillis. Joining us tonight to discuss this topic is Forbes magazine contributor and science writer, Tara Haley. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Uh, I imagine you've not had any free time lately. No. <laughs> the past it's been, eight months. Been very, especially March. March was a bit of a blur because it was just nonstop work, um, you know, just pumping out stories and, and explaining things to people. And then um, I eventually crashed. But yeah, March was crazy. <clears throat> a lot of it was just explaining basic epidemiology, how epidemiology works, um, you know, how, how you look for where a disease originated and how it moves through a population, um, explaining epidemiological terms, um, you know, just explaining the, the, the lingo because it's something that I'm familiar with because I've been writing about it for so long, um, explaining top uh, concepts like herd immunity and um, PCR testing, um, pre-symptomatic versus asymptomatic infection, um, why it takes so long to get a vaccine, like what the vaccine process is, uh, just, I mean, all kinds of things like that. And uh, one of the big ones more recently has been the difference between what, uh, you know, airborne versus droplet transmission versus aerosols transmission. That's That's been a big one that's been, it continues to be confusing for a lot of people. I think people still don't quite get that it's you know, it's not air you have to worry about, it's people and people in the air around you that you have to worry about. Um, there, there seems to be this misunderstanding that, you know, if you walk outside your door, it's equal risk to standing in line inside of a restaurant. And oh, no, 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 it's a continuum risk. And walking outside your door is just fine. And walking into a restaurant, that's a much higher risk. So, you know, a lot of it's been risk communication, helping people understand how to make sense of the risks and understand how to assess you know what they feel comfortable doing would you recommend any like, anything that people would go to if they want any particular information i mean i know cable news ratings have gone up because they have you know experts on there on their uh, talking about stuff like that do you recommend that people rely on only that kind of stuff for information or is there anything else well i'll be honest i have not watched a news um, show on television in over a decade because for the most part I'm not very impressed with TV journalism. That's not to say there isn't some good TV journalism out there. There is, but it's hard to find. It's 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 the exception rather than the rule. And that even goes for networks that I think have fantastic reporters. Honestly, uh, I can recommend several publications online for reading. Elemental is one that I read a lot, which a lot of people haven't even heard of. It's a medium publication, but it's an actual. You know, it actually has editors and they have fantastic work. Washington Post has been doing a crackerjack job as they have for the past several years anyway. I recommend Science Magazine if people want to get into the nitty gritty science news. And I recommend um, STAT, S-T-A-T, that they've been doing. I mean, STAT is actually who broke. Helen Branswell is a, is a colleague of mine who works at STAT and she's the one who broke the story about the coronavirus. The New York Times has done an okay job, but I, I have some issues with some of their reporting. Their reporting has been spotty in different ways, just as it has been with election and politics. 
So it's kind of like you got to know you want to if you if you read the New York Times, you want to read other sources too, which is kind of a sad thing for me to say since I've written for them. But if I had to choose just one source to regularly go to um, that was covering all kinds of news, not just coronavirus, Washington Post really is is the gold standard right now. They've been doing a phenomenal job, but I certainly don't want to leave out some of the other scientific Americans done a great job if you want to get into the science. As far as the White House is concerned, the pandemic is over. It's almost like a frog being in a pot of slowly boiling water. It won't realize the water is boiling until it's too late, killing the frog. In this scenario, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is the frog, except he realizes the water is boiling and he's willing himself into his political death, as we can see from these clips where he's talking to CNN's Jake Tapper and again while conversing with reporters. So here's what we have to do. We're not going to control the pandemic. We are going to control the fact that we get uh, vaccines, therapeutics, and other mitigation. Why aren't we going to get control of the because, pandemic? But because it is a contagious virus, just like the flu. Yeah, but why not make efforts to contain it? Well, we are making efforts to contain it. By and, running and all over the country and not wearing a mask? I, I tell you what, let okay. me do this. Let me pull this that's, away. Yep, pull away. And then that way I can take this off the top. Well, I'm more than 10 feet away. I'm not, well, I'm not going to talk to the I love how he thinks, you know, he's not going to answer any questions as a threat. He's basically saying, we're not going to try to prevent anyone from getting it. We just want people to, to not die from it. He's like, we're going to give people drugs, vaccines. And I'm like, this is the equivalent of being like, no, no, no. We have plenty of condoms. We're not going to hand them out. We just really want to invest in syphilis medicine. And we hope nobody gets to the, you know, the part, the stage where their brain starts disintegrating. We're going to catch them before that. But condoms, that's just too much. How, who could stop the spread? We're not going to tell you what you can do not to get syphilis. That's that, which is what they could be doing. Yeah, that pretty much nails it. You know, if you, I, I've seen that clip and toward the end of that clip, he actually contradicts himself anyway. He just then says, oh yeah, no, we are going to try and control it. But then he immediately says after that, but we're not going to, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't, it, there's clearly, he doesn't know what the hell he's saying. He doesn't know. If you get, if you get it, it's on you. We yeah, don't, that's, don't want you to get it, but if you want to go to a Smash Mouth concert, that's a, that's, that's fine. You can do that. Or the White House. Or a Trump rally. <laughs> <laughs> From the early days of coronavirus, medical experts and media outlets have been warning us about the danger trying to explain how to protect oneself and keep one healthy using the most understandable of terms. It led to this segment on a Vox DC affiliate morning news show. I'm really worried about this coronavirus. And now it's okay, Dr. Pop. I did some research. Well, check it out. Well, I don't want to escape what I have found. There's a little flex flyer going through town. Teeny tiny like the sand in your hand, even smaller than a grand. Make it waves like a grand band. Boom. Uh, hold on tight, listen to me. Prevention now is the key. Wash your hands. I should wash my hands thoroughly, cover my mouth when I sneeze or cough. I shouldn't touch my eyes, ears, or nose. And if I do feel sick, I should wear a mask. Dr. Pop, anything else? And of course, see my doctor. What? <laughs>
Dr. Pop would be a better Surgeon General than the guy we currently have. <laughs> that was delightful. And yes, can we hire them? <laughs> I, I thought they were great. Keep in mind, I mean, at the time that they sung that, we didn't know what we know now about the value of masks for asymptomatic spread. And, and it was not as below, it wasn't as all over the place as it is now. And it was on a Fox affiliate. So of all the stuff on Fox for Trump not to watch, it's it's in D.C. He can access it from his television set. Right. The efforts to control the spread of a highly contagious and deadly virus seem somewhat inconvenient for Donald Trump, who still insists on greeting large audiences on a sacrificial altar known as his rallies. This could explain him being confused about his opponent's socially distanced events, as we can see from this clip from one of his rallies. They have, you can't have political rallies. You, that's because of me, because of Biden, we're hearing about three people. Do you ever see him with his little circles, a circle? You know why he puts the circles? Because he wants to be like correct with COVID, but it's not really, because they can't get anybody to fill up a room. So they put these big circles. So he can't get anybody to fill, nobody wants to go. I'm pretty sure he was doing that whole circle thing, the motion with his hands, because he was trying to remind himself what a circle was. And they said, no one wants to come to his rallies. Like, no, no one wants to get sick and die. Maybe Joe Biden, maybe we have a guy running for president who doesn't want to kill his supporters. He's trying to be responsible. I do find it hugely ironic that it does feel like Trump is trying to kill off his own base. It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I don't know if that makes him a true believer or if that makes him just ultra in denial, but that that is the most baffling part of me. I mean, at the very least, wait until after the election to kill him off. <laughs> Trump's return to the White House just three days after his diagnosis saw him posing for photographers and cameras on the Truman balcony, gasping and looking like a rotisserie chicken that's just been cooked in a nuclear fallout zone looking like an old-school shrinky-dink that's been left in the oven overnight. Coincidentally, shrinky-dink is another one of Stormy Daniels' nicknames for Trump's penis. <laughs> he released a series of videos on his Twitter feed, such as this one. I took over a depleted military, old equipment, broken equipment. Even in the Army, all brand-new uniforms with the belt. Everybody wanted the belt. We're taking care of our... Seniors, you're not vulnerable, but they like to say the vulnerable, but you're the least vulnerable. But for this one thing, you are vulnerable. And so am I. I like to speak like I'm an idiot, but I'm not an idiot, except you know what? I am. <laughs> what was happening to his face? It looked like it was falling off. <laughs> it used to be I'd have to pop in Raiders of the Lost Ark if I wanted to see a Nazi sympathizer's face melting. <laughs> We can see the anti-mask sentiment and the carelessness of Trump seep through to his supporters, as we can see from this CNN clip, which left even Don Lemon speechless. A day after the Woodward bombshells, the president held a rally in Michigan, no social distancing, few masks. Our Jim Acosta caught up with some of the attendees. Listen to this. Why are you guys not wearing masks? I have one with me. It's, it's my prerogative. But, but why not wear one to stay safe? I have a hard time understanding people when they talk, so that's why I don't wear it. But you can hear me right now? I can hear you. Sir, can you why are you not wearing a mask? Because there's no COVID. It's a, it's a fake pandemic created to destroy the United States of America. 
But the president said to Bob Woodward that there is a virus, the coronavirus, and that it is deadly. That's his opinion. The truth is, is that the, the CDC said that only less than 10,000 people die from COVID. The other 190,000 have 2.6 or 2.8 other mortalities. Does it worry you guys at all to be in this crowded space? I'm not afraid. The good Lord takes care of me. If I die, Every I die. Day. We got to get this country moving. Can't we can do? Wear masks and stay inside for another year? Huh? Where all that <laughs> Okay, I I don't want to. <laughs> oh, I wanna. And you know what? I think I will. It's baffling what these guys think. Oh, the good Lord will protect me. Well, if the good Lord will, will, will protect you, you should ask the good Lord to make you not so fucking stupid. I will say, though, I want to point something out here that I think is interesting that a lot of people haven't taken into account. As a journalist, I think people often don't take into account how journalists put themselves into danger to do their jobs. We think about that when they go overseas to cover conflicts. But what was happening there, he was just in a very large crowd. And sure, he was wearing a mask. It, lo it looked like an N95, I'm not sure. But the point is, he was putting himself at risk to do that report. And I just want to point that out because I, you know, I know reporters often get bad raps and there's plenty of reporters who are crap. But most reporters, we go into this business because we really care about the truth and getting accurate information out to people and ensuring that they have the information they need to make decisions. And a lot of times that means doing things that put ourselves in danger. And I, I just want to point that out because a lot of people, have, I don't think that's been mentioned much during the pandemic. Of course, when top figureheads of the government given at best ambivalent view of wearing masks, it can lead to instances like this Instagram video that went viral, but not for the reasons the person filming it thinks. I just put you on my 3,000 follower Instagram feed, mostly local. Hi everyone, I work for Costco and I'm asking this member to put on a mask because that is our company policy. So either wear the mask And or... I'm not doing it because I woke up in a free country. Have a great day. So you're going to take this car for me. Sir, have a great Pull day. Pull the stuff. You are no longer welcome here in our warehouse. You need to leave. Thank you very here, much. Here, you put it on. I'll give you my card. He's going to take the card away because he's a there he is, walking away with all my stuff. There he goes. Because I'm not a sheep. What do you want to bet that right after he posted that, he got 3,000 comments from all his followers saying, you're a dick. I don't know. If they were following him, they probably thought, yeah, stick it to the libs. Let's die for them. <laughs> Let me ask three of you. How did Costco and Trader Joe become the battlegrounds? They're private companies like they can pretty much do whatever they want so whenever someone goes in and says oh this is an infringement of my first amendment rights the uh first amendment only apply if it's the government trying to stop you from doing something or saying you have right. to do something right so it's and, not just costco and trader joe though i've seen those videos from walmart i've seen them from kroger I've seen them from other grocery stores that I don't know the names of. I've seen them for little boutique stores that are just independent shops. So Chick-fil-A does that as well. Yeah. In fact, they make all their gay customers wear rainbow face masks so they know who not to serve. <laughs> the first big rally since the coronavirus restrictions was in Tulsa, Oklahoma in June. Here's the rationale for holding such an epidemiologically uncontrolled event as given by first daughter-in-law, 
and family hostage, Lara Trump. Look, this is, it's time now because people, I think, are ready to get back to some normalcy in life. And more so than just a, a campaign rally, this kind of feels like the kickoff to sort of reopening the country. We chose Oklahoma because they were the first state in the country to lift their COVID restrictions. Reopening the country and reopening field hospitals and ICUs and mass graves. I think people like you know Donald Jr. and, uh, and Lara... The campaign staffers send out is like, this idea is totally batshit crazy. Like, who, who are we going to get to do it? Oh, fuck it. We'll just send Lara out and make it all, it'll just make it easier on the rest of us. But that goes to the attitude of the administration, which is people are sick of it, so it should be opened up. COVID's not over because of the, the calendar. COVID's not over because you want it to be over. It'll decide when it's over, when we've taken appropriate restrictions and appropriate measures. But the passage of time, and Tara can speak to this uh, more eloquently than I can, the passage of time isn't going to take care of COVID as that uh, genius uh, claimed in the video. No, that's exactly right. And that's one of the things I think is most fascinating about this is when you look at which countries are doing well, the countries that are doing well are Rwanda and Vietnam in Nigeria, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the places that have dealt with serious infectious disease much more recently than we have. And they take it seriously. They know not to screw around with it. And they know, you know, when the public health experts say X, Y, Z, we do X, Y, Z, and they're, they're doing much better as a result. We in the United States, we haven't had to deal with this for over 50 years. There's, there's a loss of sort of social memory as to what you need to do to protect yourself and a loss of social memory of the devastation that it can cause. And so you've got people who they have this COVID fatigue and they're like, well, we're tired of it. And they, they don't seem to grasp that uh, they don't get to decide that. The virus doesn't care if you're tired. One of the attendees of Trump's rally in Tulsa was Herman Cain, who later caught COVID and was dead within weeks. Some people recognize him from his 2012 presidential campaign. Some people recognize him from being the CEO of Godfather's Pizza, his 999 tax plan. But I prefer to remember this clip from the 1990s, singing about his love of pizza to a very familiar tune. Imagine there's no pizza I couldn't if I tried Eating all the tacos Or Kentucky Fried Imagine only burgers Oh! 
just here? And how can I get those minutes of my life back? Oh, <laughs> oh that was fantastic. I love a parody song. Um, I, it, it, he did such a great job on that. I'm eating only tacos or fried, uh, Kentucky fried. Imagine only burgers. Personally, I like to imagine that this is actually just a commentary on America's over-reliance on the meat industry. I mean, he sings, imagine no more pizza. I was a road comic and ate like one for 10 years. My colon and my asshole would be thrilled if I imagined there was no more pizza. <laughs> That's an image I didn't need. <laughs> <laughs> alternatives he gave you were tacos burgers and fried chicken that's that's the lyrics of the song those are your only alternatives in this world people have always had cavalier attitudes towards their own health and well-being a classic example is this restaurant catering to such clientele as seen on this piece from abc's nightline in a country where calories are posted on the menu and the white house has a vegetable garden sometimes the reality looks more like this this monument to greasy gluttony is called the Heart Attack Grill. It's a sort of hospital-themed Hooters located in Chandler, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix. Get your arms in over here. Every customer must wear a hospital gown. I'm dying. And they are waited on by scantily clad nurses. Still, it's what's on the menu that gets most of the attention. The single, double, triple, or quadruple bypass burger. Oh, and they do have fries called flatliner fries, fried in lard, and those are unlimited. To wash it all down, how about a butterfat shake? Anyone who is over 350 pounds doesn't have to pay. I'm big, you know what I mean? And so, so why not? Ernie Hart, yes, that's his real last name, and yes, he is chowing down on a quadruple bypass. Even though my cardiologist and my wife uh, tell me not to come, and after surviving a coma and multiple heart surgeries, I, I still come. I enjoy the burgers. I like to think that him clearing his throat was his way of fending off another heart attack. <laughs> oh, what is another one? It, it's got to be a uniquely American thing to embrace, like like that level of arrogance. I don't know how to process that. I don't know. So I, I did a little digging on this. Uh, from what I understand, there is currently one in Las Vegas, um, and one of the things they're known for is the kitsch around the restaurant. So Tom, I don't know if this will change your mind about wanting to go there, but at least according to one photograph, you can pee on Donald Trump's face at a urinal. So I don't know if that flips the script on this at all for you, uh, maybe becoming a fan. Um, now, I read I read a lot about it, actually. I got a little deep dive into the Heart Attack Grill. Uh, it is described as a place where you can get a 9,982-calorie 9, burger served by a, a buxom waitress, listen to karaoke, and wash it back with a shot of liquor served in a prescription bottle. And only one of those four things is appealing to me. After I learned that they do serve wine in an IV bag with a thing that you can like carry around with you, um, I'm now planning my my destination wedding there. To be clear, Abby, is that for your wedding or for your uh, bachelorette party? I don't know, but I'm I'm planning a trip there. 2022, <laughs> I'm getting an IV drip bag, red wine. <laughs> On that note, that's our show. Please join me in thanking our panelists, Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and our guest, Tara Haley.
And before I go, I'll leave you with this thought. I, for one, have always been into keeping away from people and avoiding any place that could get me sick. I'm not a germaphobe. I'm a trendsetter. So please stop telling me we're all in this together because that's the last thing I want to do or hear be together when we're all supposed to be practicing social distancing. Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello and guests Tara Haley. The music by Jerome Vandenmurek. Special thanks to Debbie Abrams Kaplan, Robbie Goodwin, and Michelle Wojcikowski. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.